Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Hey, it's Garth. In this episode of Manalyzing, this is a special episode. I'm interviewing not a man. This amazing woman is named Jordan Ricks Hanks, and she has cancer, and it's bad. And she's handling it, she's addressing it in words that I can't describe. I probably shouldn't even try because I wouldn't do it justice. But we can learn, we as men, from her how to manage when our wives or when someone very close to us has these kinds of issues. Listen up. This is good stuff. I know my voice projects, so I try to go just a little farther away. But Okay, let's get started. Okay, great. I don't even know your name. My name is Jordan Ricks Hanks. Jordan Ricks Hanks. You got it. And you came uh, to my home, uh, and that's where I met you, what, about a half an hour ago? That's hour right. Ago, something like that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recognize something in you, and Julie loves you to death. <laughs> well, I love her right back, so. Um, and I recognized, so tell me, tell me about you. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in California. Mm-hmm. I've been married for eight years to a lovely husband named lovely. Riley. I, I, I'm sure he would want to be called lovely. Well, he is lovely, but he's also very handsome. So I'll give him that credit yeah. as well. <laughs> lovely and handsome. Yes. How old are you? I am 30, turning 31 this year and just had my very first baby last year. Nice. And Congrats. my fun surprise with my baby was not actually the baby, but that I have cancer. And so I've been doing that, fighting that battle and winning as much as possible, taking the wins where I can find them. Tell me about the cancer. So my cancer is a very special cancer because it's a genetic cancer that affects only 1% of the entire world population. 1%. Mm-hmm, 1%. And so that 1% has the gene that is positive for cancer. It's called CDH1, Uh and it affects the stomach as well as the breasts in women. And so our family found out about it five years ago, Mm -hmm. and we all got tested, and I was the lucky recipient of the very first case of cancer in our entire family. And how long have you had that, and what stage was it? So my cancer was stage 4 gastric signet ring cancer that had spread to my ovaries. Uh-huh. And from there, I had those removed. I've had my stomach removed, a foot of colon, my gallbladder, as well as some other fun, exciting surgeries <laughs> that I'll be looking forward to, like a double mastectomy. That are still ahead of your uh-huh, stomach. Exactly. That, that sounds like a large chunk of your innards. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> it's about three pounds. Can you believe that? Because my ovaries were so big when they took them out. One of them was the size of a cantaloupe and one was the size of a baseball. Oh, my goodness. Because of that cancer. And at stage four, stage four is the last stage. That's right. What and not only is mean? it stage four, but there's different levels of cancer aggression. So what that means is the speed, the stealth, 
and all of that with that type of cancer. So stage four means that it's spread outside of the one place that it started. So it mm -hmm. started in my stomach and spread to my ovaries. So that's stage four. Okay. But then it's also, there's level one, level two, and level three. Level three is the most aggressive and the most stealthy. And that happens to be my special version of cancer. <laughs> That's what you get blessed <laughs> with. What does stealth mean as far as cancer? So what it means is that some cancers are easily detected in blood tests. Mm -hmm. And this cancer is not detected in any blood test. And on top of that, the way that it grows, it's in the inner lining of the stomach. There's three linings of the stomach, the outer lining, the middle lining, and then the inside lining that has all those little feelers that kind of help with the absorption. Oh, I'm sorry. I just You're touched good. the mic. Help with the absorption as well as other things to help the body with its, you know, living and producing of just different things and absorption of those nutrients and such. And so what happens is because it's growing in that middle layer, it will not be detected in just a regular CT scan. It won't be detected in those things where you can usually catch cancer. And so it takes a really intensive MRI to find anything. And I was lucky enough to have that MRI and find that cancer. Okay. Let me change the subject. Yeah, go ahead. You ever had an animal? Yes, absolutely. We have a dog named Donna that we just love with all our heart. Tell me about Donna. Donna is actually a rescue dog, and she is a pit bull. Uh -huh. And because of where she was and the pit bulls that she was connected with, she was severely damaging <laughs> stuff when we brought her home. And so she is very subservient. She's very sweet. And she's just the funniest little nanny dog with our boy, Micah. What is it that Donna has done for your family? How long have you had her? Oh, we've had her for three years now. We actually celebrated our third anniversary with her just last month. And what she has done has just brought so much emotional value to our family. She sits with me when I'm sick. She hangs out with my husband all day and just enjoys time being around us and just makes us all happy because it's just this unconditional love that you get from an animal. Happy and unconditional love. Uh, tell me about those two words. Well, I think happy is not just one-sided. It's a lot of facets, right? It's the idea and concept that you have hope, you have gratitude, you have all of these things that culminate together to make you a happy person and a happy individual, right? Your health, your relationships, all of that type of stuff culminates into you feeling happy. And then unconditional love to me is kind of like the person that comes and knocks at the door and waits for you. And no matter where you are in your house, no matter what you're doing with your life, that person is always waiting right next to that door, ready for you to open it so that they can embrace you with open arms, no matter what you're going through. And you're going through a lot. Sure am. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, this podcast, I told you, Manalyzing, is about men, you know, and our, and our issues, uh, you know, about the daddy ATM, about uh, give me money and then go away, <laughs> or about our issues with, uh, with maybe making the money and, uh, and then being ousted, or maybe not making enough money and maybe we don't... Uh, feel like we have a man card yeah. or, you know, those sorts of things. And I can easily see a scenario where a guy goes, my wife is hurting. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not enough. I don't know how. How can I do this? It's I'm having enough trouble with myself. How do I be? What do I be? What can I be for my spouse? Yeah, absolutely. And what can you do to feel your feelings of self-worth for yourself and making you feel like I'm enough regardless of what happens, right? Yeah. Um, from your point of view, what, let's, let's go a little further back even. Yeah. How did your husband respond when you found out the news that you had that cancer? Oh man. Um, you know, we were in the hospital together and there were several doctors that had come to visit us before I went in for my MRI that actually confirmed that there was something wrong. And then my biopsies that got done to confirm that it was the cancer that we thought it was. And they came in and they kind of gave us an idea that that is a possibility that's pretty high, mm -hmm. that I might be in the fight for my life. And, you know, I go down for my biopsy. I come back and they rushed it because clearly it's a very aggressive cancer like I talked about. And sure enough, the answer was, yeah, this is what we thought. It's the worst fear, worst possible answer that we can give you as these four doctors show up in the room. And it was just my husband and I, because we didn't know. We went in for something totally unrelated and just came out with that news. And so the doctors left the room and it was just initial shock. It was just, wow, everything that we thought was possible is coming crashing down. And this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And this is our reality now. And so I think there were tears shed for, you know, a few minutes, 10 minutes. But then it was very unique because we had this very overwhelming, peaceful feeling come over both of us where we were able to just say, you and I are going to make the decision together to fight this. And because we have each other, we'll figure it out. Even if we go into survival mode for several months, even if there are times where we feel like we can't make it because we have each other, we should be able to fight this and get through it. And so that was, you know, at first, right? But then life hits and life happens and all these little things come into play, like his job, our baby that came four weeks later and was in the NICU for 40 days and we're having to drive back and forth to visit him while I'm throwing up in the car. There's a lot of things that were these facets that came together of, you know, just chaos, right? The chaos ensues. <laughs> and you're just like, what am I going to do? What was he going to do? And it was just a lot of questions that came up that we weren't ready to, you know, deal with and handle because we didn't know what those questions were yet. And so that's when the struggle really hit. It wasn't that initial moment when we found out, but it was months later when, months later. yeah, when all of that kind of hit reality, right? So here's this scenario. Yeah. He is taking care of you to the best that he can take care of you. Exactly. And sometimes he wins and sometimes he loses. Exactly. Who did he go to? You know, that's where it was hard. I think that he felt like there weren't people that understood his situation. And so a lot of it he bottled in. I mean, there's a few things, right, where it's like, 
you have this friendship level where you kind of broach on one or two subjects. But for men, you don't go into that full, you know, knockdown drag out of everything that has happened, right? It's kind of this surface level of, yeah, there's been a few things that are really hard, you know, but we're just like getting through it instead of really being able to communicate those feelings. And so it's hard because those breakdowns happen because you're not going to be able to carry that load. And it's really hard. How many, uh, your network of support? Yeah. How big is it? Oh man, we're, we're very, very, very fortunate. We have so much extended family, so many really close family friends, as well as our work families. I mean, both of us have worked for now almost 10 years at our companies Mm -hmm. and we had those levels of support too, right? But those levels of support are all varied, but we had a great support network. And when, uh, when I asked that question, I meant yours, not we. Ah, see, okay. Now we're getting to the real stuff. Uh So yeah, I think that with Riley, he's a type of guy that values quality over quantity. Okay. He doesn't need 50 friends. He doesn't need to have a relationship that is super deep with everybody. Right. And I would say that his support network of being able to communicate his feelings and that type of network, Uh there's a seldom few, maybe two or three. That's what I mean by that support network. It might be there, but it's not at the level or the quality that you need in that moment. Does that make sense? So yours personally, would you say you've got uh, friends to talk to in in numbers of uh, 10, 50, 100, or 1,000? You know, I would say for people that I talk to about everything, just Uh deep dive into all the nitty gritty, right? Uh I would say there's maybe three or five, Uh right? But within that three or five, I don't feel like I tell any one of them every single thing, right? Like you go into the really deep depths of the ocean, Mm -hmm. but there's a few little specks of sand that you might leave on the beach. Right. Yeah. And him, sounds like maybe it's two. Yeah, maybe. If that. If that. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Welcome to the man world. Exactly. Exactly. It's something where it's shooting the breeze and that level of quality of depth of communication is just not there. I remember my dad, for example, he decided once when I was, I don't know, 10, 13, somewhere in there, he realized that he and I had no relationship. Mm. So he got some uh, college football tickets, um, and he would take me. And our uh, the depth of our conversations was pretty much limited to how do we get to the stadium and what's the best way to get home? Right, right. Shooting the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a man level superficial yes, version. Yes, of, yes, yes. You know, and I I give him credit for. Making the attempt. Right. Making the effort. Yeah, absolutely. But even my best of friends, for example, um, I, I, I'm not going to go cry on their shoulder. Right. Exactly right. There's this level of, like you said, that man card of like, you don't show weakness. You don't show vulnerability. You don't show any chinks in the armor. Right. So here's the next question. 
let's make you the advice giver to all of man humanity. Oh, man. Okay, I'll do my very best. Let's say a guy just found out that his wife has cancer. Okay. He's in shock. Yes. He's stunned. He's got a million things going through his brain. Yes. Uh, how is she going to be? How, how am I supposed to act? How am I going to manage myself? How am I going to manage my job? How am I going to manage the kids? I'm filled with fear. I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue to pay the bills. Should I pay the bills or should I take care of my wife? Right, right. Help me. Okay. Honestly... The first thing is drop to your knees. Uh huh. Drop to your knees and ask for any sort of divine help you can muster. Doesn't matter what background you come from, doesn't matter what situation you're in, whether it is an announcement of cancer or a car accident or a, you know, something else is crazy, right? There's so many crazy things that can happen that bring you to this level of shock and bring you to this level of panic. And that humility and that ability to say, I cannot go through this alone. And especially for men, because you don't have that level of communication established, usually, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it's that's, just the reality. yeah, that's just the reality, right? And because that established communication isn't there, if you are willing to just talk it out to the air or to your God or to the universe, just letting those feelings out and allowing yourself to feel them and allowing yourself, I always call it an emotion party for uh -huh. myself. And I've had Riley kind of join me in these emotion parties, right? Because if you don't allow yourself to feel it, you're gonna bottle it deep down as far deep as you can get it. But what happens with all that pressure of trying to shove it into the box that you want to put it in, that pressure is going to exponentially affect you in two months or three months or a year or 10 years. And being able to just voice how you're feeling, no matter what, that's going to make a big difference because you're allowing yourself to say it out loud. And saying it out loud is very powerful. So I would say that. The second thing I would say is have a companionship like conversation about we know that we're not going to know all the answers. We know that there's going to be a lot of questions that pop up. But if you and I can continue communicating, having a daily basis chat, Riley and I started doing that and talking daily and connecting daily. Didn't matter what the type of connection was. Sometimes I was so incoherent that the only thing he could do for me is give me a foot rub. Just a simple five-minute foot rub helped me to feel emotionally connected to him and helped him feel like he could do something for me. And that's so simple, right? And right. But when it comes to the bigger things, like those financial decisions, don't try to do it by yourself. Riley tried to handle that by himself for months. And then the second that we decided to talk about it together, because one of those breakdowns happened, right? It's just a total collapse of like, I literally am paralyzed and I don't know how to move forward. When that's you how get, he felt. Yeah, that's how he felt. And it was so severe for him that he seriously, any decision, whether it was what we were going to eat or, you know, where we were going to be in half an hour from then, it was very uh, like 
overwhelming. It was very damaging. Yes, it was very overwhelming and very damaging because it created the sense of panic of, I literally don't know how to make a decision anymore. I don't know what's right or wrong. I don't know which way is left or right, up or down, right? Yeah. And so when he finally discussed with me and we finally came together and said, okay, let's make this decision together because then if it goes south, then we'll do it again together. And you're not going to feel the weight all on your shoulders. Right. And even though I'm going through something physical, it doesn't mean that I can't be there for him emotionally and mentally. And just because he's suffering emotionally and mentally doesn't mean that I can't be there for him physically. Right. So what to, I'm putting myself in that position, yeah. in your husband's position. Yeah. And there will be days when it's hard on you. And it's hard on me. Right. Absolutely. And I'm feeling like I can't go to you and say, man, today is kicking my butt. I've got nothing left. And that's totally happened. And that's when I always make the suggestion of, well, then go to one of those two friends and mm -hmm. talk to them. Go to a therapist. Go to someone that is outside of our little box, right? Because uh -huh. in our box, it's me, him, and Micah. Mm -hmm. And if he's able to just step out of the box for even two hours or even like a little mini overnight trip to go jeeping, you know, like uh -huh. something that gets him out of that box of, of the worry and the constant panic, even if he's able to get five minutes or even one minute of clarity or a fresh breath of air, it can do so much to your mental to help you start problem solving better and help you to say, okay, I'm going to give it another shot of trying to figure this out and trying to get through it. Caretaker's got to take care of himself. Right, exactly. And I think that as the wife in this situation, being the one who's suffering, being the one who's physically suffering, right? Right. Being that person, I need to acknowledge that I'm not going to be able to fix all of his problems. And I'm not, like, same goes for me, too. Right. There are times where I'm helpless and I can't do something that I want to do for Riley. And so I have to be willing to say, okay, if that's the case, I need to be willing to be humble enough too and say, I can't fix this. So where am I going to help you find a solution? Where am I going to help you find that breath of air that you need? Mm -hmm. You know, because when you're treading water for so long, you're going to start dipping below the water line and you need to be able to have somebody that throws you that little buoy and can give you a second, even if it's just a second, because then you have all this will to fight even like for 10 more minutes or five more minutes, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking one of the things I've learned being married to Julie is that I need to just tell her, you know, if I start swimming and I start drowning, my base reaction, my first default reaction is to keep swimming yeah. and drown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Where Ramp it's <laughs> so much easier to yeah. just say, hey, I'm having this issue. Yeah, yeah. And I either need to take a break, I need to right. you know, go eat a candy bar, I need to go play racquetball. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what Riley has started to do. He started to recognize that there are ways that he can get that breath on his own. He started to say, I need to just go for a drive, let the windows down, just get the fresh air. I need to go take Donna for a walk, right? Dog, mm -hmm. emotional connection that helps him to feel that love. I need to go for a little bike ride. I need to go visit a friend or I need to go play some golf or whatever, right? Uh -huh. Something that will help you to get just a little moment of clarity. Let's 
I want to stay on the theme of you giving advice yeah. to the universe. Yeah. Um, as, as, the, as the disease progresses for their wife. Right. How would you ask them to be in addition to what you've said? You know... Riley and I had a really long talk about this because we had to discuss the idea of what if you're not here, uh-huh. you know, and you have to address it because with severe situations like that, it's always a possibility. That's always a chance that uh-huh. that is your reality as a couple. And so addressing that reality can be very difficult. It can take every ounce of energy and every ounce of hope and and oh man just everything every ounce and fiber of your being has to be willing to say what if that's the scenario right. for us and i think that when you come to that head and you're talking about those things and you're really coming down to it you kind of have to make a plan and say what are you going to do so that this does not swallow you What are you going to do to make sure that the kids are okay? What are you going to do to make sure that you live a life that is full of joy and potential for anything is possible? I love that joy word, and I love the swallow word. Yeah. I've heard of uh, more than one case where maybe somebody has, uh, in this case it's a man that I'm thinking of, he had a child die, and it just Mm -hmm. ruined him. He just he just lived the rest of his life isolated in his office Mm -hmm. and he had other kids that needed him right and they he lost them too because he couldn't manage yeah what he did is he felt like the only way for him to survive was to make sure that he was contained that no other pieces of him were broken and what happens is we're supposed to be broken. That's what this life is all about. We're supposed to break so that we can give pieces of ourselves to others. That's the whole point of this life. We did not come here to just live it by ourselves, be a one-track mind, just do whatever we wanted to do, live however we wanted to live. That's not what the purpose of this was. The purpose of it was to allow ourselves to let people in. And to give of ourselves to others when they need somebody else to let them in. I love that. And yeah. And I, every word I'm hearing you say is golden. And I want to let you talk as long as you can, but I have to insert this. Yeah. Yeah. So here is the guy and you say, um, he, she's broken. He's broken. Yeah. And you said the purpose is to, it's okay to be broken. It's part of the plan. Yeah. And part of his brokenness is to recognize that he's broken and that he let, needs to let down the man walls yeah, and let somebody help him. Yeah. And let that piece that needs healing be healed and be filled by something else that will bring that joy back. Because joy is something that is long lasting. Happiness comes and goes. Right. But you can't focus on happiness. You have to focus on a long lasting amount of joy. And that comes from all of these pieces of other people that you've collected. I think about Micah and Micah will always be a part of me and a piece of me that I was, I didn't have before. 
And yet now that he's here, he will always be a piece of my heart. My husband, I chose that piece of my heart to fill something that was broken from a past relationship. And I chose him because I knew that he would fit that piece that was broken and that wasn't whole. And I think that if we recognize that about each other and about all the relationships that we've cultivated, even if it's just for five seconds, I remember having a nurse in the hospital that was there when I needed it. I was going through a moment where I thought I was going to go to a despair place. And she came in. She was one of my friends that I hadn't seen in 10 years that was randomly a nurse at that random hospital that I had been at. And she came in, she took my blood, we chatted for 10 seconds. And yet that was the lift that I needed at that moment. And that was that little piece of me that was starting to break that I was able to fix and replace. You said the word despair. And I've met people who like one guy, he's in a wheelchair. Right. And he is all kinds of angry at life, at God, at himself, at everything. Right. Right. And and I asked him about that. I said, why would I not be angry? I'm in a wheelchair. Mm. Why are you not angry? Why are you not despairing? Because instead of asking why me, I ask why not me? Why is it that somebody has to go through a horrible car accident where they are the only family member that has survived and I didn't have to go through that? Why is it that one of my very, very dear friend's moms got in a car accident and lost, or an accident where it was a collision of a person in a car, she lost both of her legs from the knee down. Why is it that she had to go through that and I don't have to go through something hard and difficult? That's why I say that's the purpose of this life. We are all meant to go through something that allows us to have such deeper empathy for other people. We see somebody that's struggling with something that's physical, we're able to say, I've struggled with physical issues. When somebody is struggling with a mental issue, they're able to say, I have been where you've been. And I want to be there for you. How can I be there for you? What would we do if we all were walking around and just didn't have to go through anything hard? Would we need anyone? Would we have to communicate with anybody else? We wouldn't. We'd all be just walking around and just paying attention to only our needs and being very selfless and or selfish, not selfless. Mm -hmm. And that selflessness brings us into a place where we can say, I know who I am now. I am a culmination of all these lessons I have learned from all these people that have boosted me up and built me for this situation to talk to you or to help somebody in a week from now or to help somebody in 20 years from now with something that will be so hard for somebody. They'll think they, they can never move another step forward and I will be able to help that person or you'll be able to help that person because of everything that happened to you so far. Everything you say is such a golden nugget. You said, I know who I am now. Yeah. The vast majority, I'm going to say 98% of us, we can't answer that question. Yeah. I have some, me personally, I have some idea of who I am. For you to be able to say, I know who I am now, what a massive gift. It is. And the gift is, is that I realize that being broken is beautiful. We are all perfectly imperfect for a reason. We are all not without flaws. Mm -hmm. And those flaws allow us to have to seek out other people. And it allows us to be able to say, you're broken? Well, I'm broken too. And 
just find these ways that we can be connected rather than diversified and rather than split apart and segregated into these different groups, right? Well, I've never had a problem or I have, you know, X amount of money, so I don't want to hang out with this group or I have, you know, these struggles of my own, so I don't want to bother with your struggles. How sad is that? Right. How sad is it to live in a world like that? where we aren't willing to step out of ourselves and say, I want to help somebody else. I want to be there for somebody else. Let's say that God decides to take you. Yeah. Um, some number of months or years down the road. Yeah. And he's going to take all of us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're, we're all, we're all going to the same place. Yeah. Um, and you and I both know that, we just change. We don't mm -hmm. end. What's your advice to your, I'm trying to decide whether I should ask husband or children first. You, you, you choose. Yeah. Well, okay. So something that I have actually been trying to do because I know it's a possibility, you know, mm -hmm. and I accepted that the second that I got the diagnosis. And for me, what I have tried to do is cultivate as many memories as humanly possible. Cultivate these memories of mine. Write down all these memories that I've had since I the day that I found out I was pregnant. Cultivate all of these memories of funny things that Micah has done or funny conversations that Riley had about t trying to name Micah or, you know, just funny things that will help him feel connected to me even though I'm not there. Help him to know you. Yeah, to know me even though I'm not with him and talk to all of my family members and help them to be there for my kid by establishing these relationships before I'm gone or making sure that I talk to people about my husband and say, you need to be there if I'm not there. I'm putting the responsibility on you so that you know that this is something where you're going to need to take care of him. And when he's having a down day, you're going to be the one to be there and establishing these things before you're gone right? Writing a letter to my son, writing a poem for my son. Mm -hmm. I wrote a poem for him just to say, this is how I felt about rocking you every day and about being there as your mom in the only way I could. But I was able to be your mom and I loved you so much that I was willing to do anything I could do to be there for you. And no matter if I'm here or not, I will always be with you and you'll always be with me. And that's all that matters. And it is so special to me that I was able to do that for him because you, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be here in five months. I hope I am. That hope is always there. But the reality is, is I could be gone tomorrow. I could be gone in a year. I could get in a car crash and die. I, you know, it could even not be my cancer. I could have some crazy allergic reaction to a medication. I could have a radiator from some building fall on my head. I mean, seriously, like the reality is that any of us at any moment could be wiped away in a second flat. And for me, I don't want to live a life of regret. I don't want to not have said I am so grateful for you and all you did for me. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of my life. I'm grateful that you were here at a moment when I needed you. And saying all the thank yous, saying what you, saying the things that you normally say, oh, that can wait till tomorrow. Answering the phone, 
the second that somebody is ringing, even though it's like, oh, I'm so busy or I'm in the car and my kid's crying, like just answer the phone. You never know. Like, what if that person on the other end, what if my grandma who's written me notes every single week since my cancer diagnosis, what if she died? And I didn't say thank you for being there for me in the way I need you to be there for me. What if I didn't do that? I would live with a lot of regret. And so I think that the whole concept for me is that if you live a life without fear of like rejection or abandonment or you know, um, somebody being upset because you said something, if it's going to potentially bring even a shred of light, even a shred of positivity to that person, do it. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear of what might happen because anything could happen both ways, right? Just live with that shred of hope, even if it's a shred, because it's worth it. It's worth it to move on from this life with all the positivity and all of the blessings of all these memories you've created. Cause that's all you take with you. That's all you get. That's all there is. That's all you get. You don't take your money. You don't take your house. You don't take your cars. You don't take any of that. You take the memories that you have cultivated and created. And that's why it's so important to remember that it's okay to be broken. You, you take who you are. Yes. Um, one last question for yeah. you. Let's say that uh, one day you're gone. Yeah. Your husband is struggling to manage. Mm -hmm. You've got your son in one room and he is lying on the floor in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Can't move. Mm -hmm. Doesn't even want to eat. Yeah. Doesn't want to do anything. And I'm gone. And you're gone. Mm. What's your advice to him? My advice to him, and I would be giving it from the other side of wherever the other side is. <laughs> I would be saying, you have things to live for. Find three things to be grateful for right now and pick yourself up off the floor and take one step. One. Take one step. That's it. But first, hit your knees and then pick up and do the one step. Two steps. Hit your knees. That's right. The step. That's right. But that's not a step. That's knees. <laughs> so it's a little different. It's a half step. Okay. It's one and a half steps. But I think that that's the only thing that gets me through a day that seems like it's pitch black. I poke a hole in the pitch black with the thing I'm grateful for. The fact that I'm breathing air. The fact that I have a wonderful husband. The fact that I have this beautiful baby that I get to be a mom to. The fact that I'm able to walk down the street in a country that is free. The fact that I'm able to have a house that I get to live in. The fact that I'm able to drive down the street and wave at somebody. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that I have a choice in my life to wake up and either spend the day making quality memories or I can choose to do something else, but I have the right to choose. And that can be something that you're grateful for. For your son, what's your advice to him? Just make the most of what this life has to offer. Allow yourself to learn from the mistakes because the mistakes are how you progress. If you don't make the mistakes, then you're not going to be able to learn and you're not going to be able to grow. And you're going to hinder your development. You're going to look back and say, I wish 
And I don't want you to ever wish that you would have changed something. I want you to look forward and know that you were loved and you are valued and you are a child of God. That's what would matter the most to me. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm grateful I got to be here. Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalizing. Manalizing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalizing.com.